You're listening to The Corbett Report. CorbettReport.com Welcome to the program, friends. Welcome to Corbett Report Radio. You are tuned into RepublicBroadcasting.org, and I'm your host for the next hour, yours truly, yours sincerely, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. That's C-O-R-B-E-T-T Report.com. And if you haven't gone there yet, I would once again urge and exhort you to, to go there, where there are now years and years worth of media downloads that are there completely for free for your listening, viewing, and reading pleasure. Literally thousands and thousands and thousands of completely free and commercial-free media that is made possible all by the support of the listeners out there who subscribe to the Corbett Report newsletter and or buy copies of my DVDs. And information on that is also available at CorbettReport.com. So once again, thank you for joining us tonight on this uh, Thursday night edition of the broadcast. And since it is Thursday night, that means in the second half of the uh, the program, we're going to be joined, as always, by James Evan Pilato of FoodWorldOrder.com to go over all the latest stories on food, health, and the environment so if you want to uh, to do some pre-study, you can turn to foodworldorder.com right now and take a look at the front page, which we'll be going over later on with James. But before we do that, we're going to be talking tonight about something that, uh, that I was talking about earlier in the week. Uh, earlier this week, you might remember I was talking about uh, petitions and protests and the types of political uh, actions and events that can actually affect change versus those that I think are just going to play into the system as a whole. And it is an in- interesting conundrum. And once again, I don't want to paint with a broad brush or to tar all political protest as meaningless or anything of the sort. So tonight on uh, this edition of the broadcast, we're going to be going over some stories about protests that are happening around the world in a m- number of different ways, some of which I think are effective and probably will result in some changes, others which may not and may be, uh, may be futile. But still, even if they are futile, maybe it's still worth doing at any rate. So we're going to be looking more at that and, and concentrating on some of the, the positivity of things that people can do and are doing to put up a fight against the police state that we are increasingly living in. And on that note, before we get into those protest stories, I want to pick up a story that was sent in to me earlier today by a listener uh, who contacted me through the contact form on CorbettReport.com to let me know about this story, which I hadn't heard of yet. Uh, people may have heard of this uh, Dutch blogger named Mika Kat. That's M-I-C-H-A-K-A-T. And uh, he's, uh, for example, reported on Bilderberg and the Dutch connections to Bilderberg for a number of years now. He's gotten some notoriety from uh, Infowars and from Max Kaiser and other big alternative media outlets because of his work doing that. Well, uh, I had not heard anything about this, but apparently he's been arrested. So you can find out more information about this from VRRITTI.com, Vridi.com. And they have a story up under the headline, Dutch version of Alex Jones behind bars. Reporter and whistleblower Mika Kat arrested and now in custody for at least 90 days. And apparently this dates back to June the 15th. So I'm assuming there's more information now available than there is in this particular post. In this post, it says that uh, it's he's being held uh, in custody for reasons unknown. So I'm not exactly sure what this is about, why he's been put in jail, but of course it's always worrying to see a fellow alternative media personality being thrown in jail after having reported on such 
things as the Bilderbergers and other things that we report on here on the Corporate Report on a regular basis. So if anyone out there is listening in the Netherlands and does uh, can actually read the original Dutch stories and, and give me the gist of what's happening or update me with what's happening, that would also be appreciated. On that note, we're going to take a short break, but since it is the, uh, the Thursday night edition of the broadcast, we also have completely open phones for the first half hour here. 1-800-313-9443. Any topic you want to talk about, I'm happy to go there. 1-800-313-9443. And we're also taking tweets at Corbett Report. So if you want to tweet your question, I'll do my best to get to it here on air. Let's take a short breather. We'll be back right after these messages. Welcome back to the broadcast, friends. James Corbett, CorbettReport.com. You're tuned into Corbett Report Radio here on Republic Broadcasting. And once again, we do have open phone lines tonight. If you have anything on your mind, get it off your chest at 1-800-313-9443 or tweet me at Corbett Report. And later on in the broadcast, we are going to be talking to James Evan Pilato of FoodWorldOrder.com, who I understand is in the process of giving up smoking. And uh, that is lamentable and uh, I'm sorry, laudable, not lamentable. But uh, of course, he is struggling with uh, that giving up of smoking. So if there are any ex-smokers in the audience who have any tips, tricks or anything that uh, you'd like to direct at James, any encouragement that you'd like to give him in his uh, trials and tribulations, you can let us know. Once again, 1-800-313-9443 or you can tweet at Corbett Report. But tonight we are going over some news headlines and th- things that are happening around the world, especially with regards to the protests that are uh, really hitting so many different places, so many different ways at, uh, at, at different times. But once again, I think not all protests are alike. Some of them are interesting. Some of them are productive. Some of them are fruitful. Some of them are not fruitful, but still valuable as part of the struggle that we find ourselves in generally. So let's start breaking down some of these individual protests and taking a look at how useful or otherwise they might be. So the first one we're going to hit up tonight is from RT.com, which just posted an article, Nationwide Austerity Protests Hit Spain. Hundreds of thousands of Spaniards have taken to the streets across the country to protest the latest batch of austerity measures. Public employees, trade union members, and fed-up citizens marched in over 80 Spanish cities on Tuesday. On Thursday, sorry. Demonstrators demonstrators carried flags and banners decorated with scissors, symbolizing the country's harsh spending cuts. The streets of Madrid were paralyzed by the boundless crowds of people. The protests were organized by unions who have been outraged by the government's new measures, which include an elimination of Christmas bonuses for civil servants. The demonstrations went on peacefully, with no major incidents reported. I'll let you continue reading this article. They also have quite a few interesting pictures from these protests, uh, including some of those pictures, for example, with the scissors talking about the spending cuts and people not wanting to go along with it. Of course, Spain now edging up on 7% on its uh, treasury bond yields, which is that magical uh, imaginary line, but still an important line nonetheless that once crossed means a very definite downward spiral for a very fragile economy. So certainly Spain is teetering on the knife edge right now, part of the wider Eurozone collapse. And part of that, as we have seen unfolding in country after country, including, of course, Greece and uh, some of the other countries there that are teetering on the edge, part of the response to that has been these austerity budgets and slashing the budget in the name of tightening the belt for the people, even as the banksters themselves get explicitly and uh, just inherently bailed out just for being too big to fail. 
Unfortunately, that is something that's probably not going to change anytime soon, and these protests have to be seen in that context. I think certainly if we're being political idealists about this, if we are coming from a voluntarist perspective like myself, we have to take with a grain of salt any time when people uh, march out into the streets in droves to demand that the government steal more money from other people in order to give it to them, which I think is something that we have to, uh, well, at least be wary of and, and at least understand that that's ultimately what it amounts to when people are complaining that they're not getting enough money from government. But having said that, we also have to understand the on-the-ground political reality that exists already in countries like Spain and, in fact, everywhere around the world, where there are already governments in place that already demand the uh, the tax slaves to give a pound of flesh every year. And given that reality and given the fact that that money is being extracted from the people and then being siphoned off to the corporations and to the banksters, I think the people do have at least a right to go out there and start demanding that, hey, instead of giving it to the banksters, how about giving it more of it to us? Again, ultimately, I think this plays into the system because it, it's just allowing the system, the beast that is the government that extracts this tax taxation through violence to uh, not only perpetuate itself, but to, to ultimately grow. And it's that growing trough which the corporations and the banksters are licking their chops, le- uh, greedily lusting after. So, uh, so it does play into the system that people are trying to defeat. So what is the point of the austerity protests? Well, I think in the short term, certainly there are real people who are really suffering on the ground in these countries, and it's certainly understandable that they're out there en masse protesting against these austerity budgets. And if these uh, austerity uh, protests continue, and if they are forceful enough, and if they are effective enough, there may be changes that we see. We may see different tax being taken. So, for example, in France, of course, they recently voted out, kicked out the bum Sarkozy, who with all of his uh, CIA and elite U.S. insider political connections, and brought in the socialist uh, 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 Hollande and the socialists also in the uh, the French the French uh, par- Parliament Congress. Uh, equivalent. So basically, the the socialists have completely taken over France. So uh, so no more austerity budgets or austerity talk from France in the EU uh, eurozone collapse anymore. Is that really a good thing? Because all Hollande is really talking about, and all he wants to do is start instituting such things as these joint bond issues with Germany for infrastructure projects, European bond uh, issues, which will only serve to, surprise, surprise, give the European Union even more power. So don't worry, people out on the streets protesting about austerity measures. Don't worry, we won't cut your uh, budget so much. We won't cut back on the social spending. We might even increase it. And how will we do that? Well, we'll get the EU to band together even closer and swaddle you in its loving embrace. Oh, doesn't that sound so beautiful? So I think, once again, we have to be understand that uh, just because people are out there protesting, even if it was for the right reasons, they can still be led into a trap. They can still be led into a briar patch by someone who wants to be thrown in there. Oh, please don't make us expand what we're doing as the government with more control over your lives. So you'll see if I'm a bit cynical about austerity protests and uh, what they're likely to achieve. I would much, much rather people see people coming together at the local community level and talking about how they're going to uh, to band together and, and uh, help each other out in these harsh economic times. Because that's the type of thing that individual people, rather than mass movements of political uh, persuasions that can be uh, rallied and decapitated and steered into uh, blind alleys as the, uh, the would-be ruling elite wish, 
Uh, as opposed to that, the the grassroots level where people are taking care of each other and forming the communities that will survive whatever political catechism that's coming. Cate- I can't speak this evening, you'll excuse me, Uh, cataclysm that's coming down the line, well, uh, they'll they'll be able to survive whatever that might be. So, once again, I think it's more important for than just marching on some city and demanding the government make everything better, that people start taking some of that political responsibility into their own hands. So what's an example of an individual political protest that I think does have meaning and does have strength and can affect uh, something important? Well, here's a little bit of good news for people out there. It's from the AP. It was posted 10 hours ago. It is uh, under the headline, Judge, Man Who Stripped Nude at Airport, Not Guilty. It's from Portland, Oregon, where uh, our friend James Evan Pilato is waiting in the wings as, even as we speak. And uh, it says, quote, An Oregon man who stripped nude at Portland's airport security to protest what he saw as invasive measures was found not guilty of indecent exposure. Uh, Multnomah County Circuit Judge David Rees ruled Wednesday that John Brennan's act was one of protest and therefore protected speech. Multnomah County District Attorney Joel Peterson argued that Brennan's strip-down act was an indecent exposure. I was aware of the irony of removing my clothes to protect my privacy, Brennan said from the witness stand on Wednesday. And I will let you continue reading from there. Once again, all of these articles will be in the show notes for tonight's episode, CorbettReport.com. But at the very least, I think that this is an interesting protest. And it, at least, as I said, for example, the other night when I was talking about that anonymous protest in Tokyo, where a bunch of people kind of flash mobbed this park and uh, cleaned the park up wearing their Guy Fox masks and not, not holding signs, not doing any, you know, big rally and, and screaming through megaphones, just cleaned up a park and uh, and left. And of course, the uh, the media were quick to report on that, and it was a huge PR victory for the people who were protesting against new Japanese laws that are going to be cracking down on anyone downloading illegal material. And of course, that's defined so broadly that really and truly anyone even looking at YouTube videos would fall under that rubric if they chose to enforce it. So a ridiculous law, absolutely worthy of protest. What's an effective way to protest? Well, how about cleaning up a public park and getting a t- positive attention to the cause that way? Well, in the same case, this man going and uh, stripping down nude at the airport. We've seen lots of these types of protests coming along in the wake of the TSA tyranny that's been encroaching on the American public over the last few years with people stripping down in various ways. And it's, uh, it's a shameless PR grab, but it does grab headlines, it does grab attention, and it does keep people focused on what should be a very major political issue, even as the two uh, cookie-cutter political candidates that, that are absolutely one and the same, Obama, Rom, Rambama are uh, talking about issues of no political significance whatsoever. Here are people keeping the, these types of real political issues back in the spotlight and once again demonstrating how people can take this into their own hands and demonstrate not just the absurdity but really the disgusting nature of what's happening at the airports in the name of security, which we all know is just security theater. It doesn't actually accomplish anything whatsoever. So this type of protest, I'm fully behind. I think this type of thing that uh, draws attention to causes that are worthy of being drawn attention to is uh, is extremely important and i like to see that uh, that again american and the proud american tradition of free speech once again protecting people's rights to to protest so uh so it, when you strip down as a protest it's not indecency it is protected speech that's a that's a pretty amazing uh, ruling and uh, trust me as a non-american
and living in, over here in Japan, I can tell you there are not many countries in the world where that would happen. So uh, once again, my hat's off to, to this man and all those like him who are continuing to draw attention to the TSA tyranny. On that note, we're going to uh, come back just after these messages, once again talking about protests that are happening around the world, some effective, some not so effective. We'll continue breaking it down for you after these messages. Once again, if you want to get in, 1-800-313-9443. Let's take a short break. All right, friends, welcome back to Corbett Report Radio. I'm your host, James Corbett, from CorbettReport.com. Once again, that's C-O-R-B-E-T-T Report.com. Tonight, we're going over protests that are happening around the world for a number of different reasons, and we're taking a look at some of them and what kind of effect they're having. So speaking of the protest effect... Let's turn to FukushimaUpdate.com, my website where I'm keeping a daily update about all of the information that's coming out on Fukushima. Some very interesting stories in the last few days. I certainly hope that you're uh, keeping to, up to date with it. Uh, for example, a new study uh, that's estimating 1,300 deaths and 2,500 cancers as a result of Fukushima fallout. And uh, also a, uh, a an interesting story. They have taken uh, one of the spent fuel rod uh, uh, reactor assemblies, or, uh, sorry, spent fuel rod assemblies from the spent fuel pool of reactor number four. That has been removed, and uh, the next one is scheduled to be removed. Well, it said Thursday. I'm not sure if that means next week on Thursday. But uh, it's very interesting because, of course, as we know, the reactor number four in a very precarious position there. But on the note of protest, we have the protest effect, usually sedate Japan becoming politically motivated over nuclear power. This is via AFP, and it says, quote, Japan's usually sedate society is angry and getting organized against nuclear power with the kind of snowballing protest movement not seen for decades. Weekly demonstrations outside the Prime Minister's residence attracts tens of thousands of people, and a rally in West Tokyo this week drew a crowd organizers claimed at 170,000, demanding an end to atomic power in post-Fukushima Japan. And as numbers swell, there are indications the country's usually inflexible politicians are getting worried and just might start paying attention. Okay, well, I'll leave it there. Once again, you can go read the rest of that article, and you can click through from Fukushima Update to the original article where you can read it in, in its entirety. And it's a very hopeful-sounding story, but it's a very interesting story when you actually go and read through it, because it's talking about the possibility that because of the, these large rallies that are taking place in uh, in Tokyo and around the country, and once again, there are pictures and things of that uh, on FukushimaUpdate.com, but because of these large rallies, there's the possibility will politicians will start taking notice. I mean, you can't have 170,000 people uh, jam-packing a park in Tokyo without uh, some attention being drawn to the issue. And it uh, goes to talk to some of the uh, the protesters who generally would never be involved in a protest, but they're they're starting to discover and flex their political muscles, as it were. So an interesting and hopeful sign. But really, if you read through and read through to the bottom of that article in the original AFP posting, You'll see that uh, ultimately it's complete speculation, and there's really nothing to back it up. There's really no indication whatsoever coming from the government so far that they are really rethinking their strategy. I mean, nothing 
nothing beyond the usual lip service that they'll pay to this type of thing. But uh, even that's in limited supply these days, as they continue to claim that uh, nuclear power is just so important for Japan, Japan just couldn't imagine how to cope without nuclear power, which uh, I think, really, honestly, Fukushima is starting to expose as a complete lie, and people are starting to wake up to it. And that's why they are turning out in droves to protest against the nuclear power industry here in Japan, But is it really going to have the effect that they're talking about in this AFP article? Well, I'll let you go and read and decide for yourselves. But honestly, if you go and read through the whole article, I think all it goes to show is that uh, that just sounds like pie-in-the-sky thinking as the government continues to press ahead with restarting various reactors. And there are already two of the nation's, I believe, 52 reactors back online. You might recall that they were all taken offline for scheduled maintenance over the course of the last year. And for several weeks here, we were completely with nuclear power on this island but uh, unfortunately it is uh, back and it's uh, all signs are that it's just going to start coming back online slowly so we'll see we'll have to see maybe this is a case in point a test case where we can take a look is this type of protest marching on a city carrying signs is it effective will it change the political discourse will it actually win concessions from this political game the political theater and let's always keep our attention focused on the political theater instead of what we can affect in our own communities. So here's uh, here's a little rubber to the road, and people can test this and follow this story at Fukushima Update and see whether or not it does really have the effects that, uh, that this article is talking about. Uh, one other article I'd like to draw people's attention to while we're talking about these various stories, so kind of circling back towards that austerity story we were covering in the last segment, there's a very interesting article by uh, Murray Rothbard, who people out there might know is uh, the libertarian philosopher uh, of the uh, of the century, basically of the 20th century. Anyway, of course, he's passed on now. But uh, Lou Rockwell recently, or I think recently, I'm not sure when they posted this, but posted one of uh, Murray Rothbard's old essays on repudiating the national debt. And it's a very interesting essay. It's uh, it's really interesting. And I would suggest people read all the way through it before coming to judgment about it, because the first half might give you the impression that it's a different kind of article than it ultimately ends up being. It's talking about private debt versus national debt, and it starts talking about private debt and how... Uh, how the idea of bankruptcy laws and other such things, for example, are a fundamental violation of freedom and liberty because it's the government coming in to try to enforce uh, what can happen, what how creditors can can ultimately get their uh, the debts owing from individuals. So it talks about how uh, basically people who rack up debts are on the line for those debts. But then it contrasts that with national debts and says that they are not the same thing because a national debt is a debt that politicians sign people up to involuntarily through taxation force. And thus it is null and void and people should repudiate the national debt. So that is the type of conversation I'd like to see going on instead of just demanding that the government pay more to social services or whatever. How about repudiating the national debt? and saying, hell no, we won't pay this. You signed us on for it. You pay it. At any rate, we'll be back to switch gears to foodworldorder.com right after this. Welcome back, friends. Welcome back to Corbett Report Radio. And we are here on Thursday night, and it's the second half of the broadcast. So as always, we're joined by our good friend James Evan Pilato of FoodWorldOrder.com. And just a note for all of you out there in Radio Land, this is a video podcast, so uh, we're going to have the video up of our conversation so you can actually see James's beautiful smiling face uh, on your iPod or you know, podcatcher of choice. 
So uh, CorbettReport.com, a few hours after tonight's show, you'll be able to find the video. So let's bring him up. James, thank you so much for joining us once again. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. It's good to have you back. We had a week off, but uh, always come to good to come back. But I understand you're having an interesting time of late. Uh, tell us uh, what you're going through right now. I am having an interesting time as of late, and actually the last week off may even help me kind of quickly explain that for folks. I took last week off. I was able to visit family in Idaho, which I had never been to. It's beautiful. We were in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, which is only about 100 miles south, actually, of the Canadian border. But I was there where I have an aunt that lives, but really my main draw also was my mom and grandmother were going to visit her, and I hadn't seen them in, in quite some time. So my girlfriend and I made the trip at the same time to go visit with them. You know, it's I, if you had been a smoker or are a smoker, you know that you're pretty much a pariah, and you kind of add and, and know it and deal with it and just kind of go on. So being there, I was, of course, the only smoker, and you find those moments to kind of slip away that aren't horrible or, you know, it's, again, you're fooling yourself if you think, oh, no one knows I smoke. No one knows. <laughs> Come back 10 minutes later. I, I've, I had no illusions about, you know, no one knowing, and they know that I that I smoked and, and said, hey, y'all, you going outside for that stupid habit again? All of those things kind of coming together with all, all sorts of other, you know, kind of emotions and maybe, you know, family things that, you know, I won't get into, but are all ultimately, you know, positive things. I basically portioned out the cigarettes that I had while I was there. I didn't buy any while I was in Idaho. I had the pack that I bought, you know, last Tuesday, two Tuesdays ago. Slowly smoked those through the week being in Idaho, and I had one left when I got back to Portland, Oregon here at the, at the airport where, remind me, because I, I definitely have a note on the TSA on our on our travels, but when we got back to the Portland International Airport, I had one cigarette left, and I smoked it in what is essentially a little pin that they put you in outside, and mm. uh, all airports are different. If you've even seen, there's a couple left in airports. I know Dulles in D.C. has one, and there's one in Atlanta, the kind of smoking room, and maybe that would have been even better to kind of go out on because they're so disgusting and you're in that box and even, you know, everybody walking by looks in with complete, you know, abject horror at you. But I basically smoked outside in the little pen and I kind of knew psychologically, no, I hadn't really warned anyone and I probably could have and should have maybe given more warning to, you know, to my girlfriend who's been amazing trying to deal with me during this. But man, I put that thing out and I knew I was like, that's it. I'm, I'm just, I'm done. And awesome. Well, let me just congratulate you on that decision. I'm 100% behind you. I don't want you putting those cancer sticks in your mouth, but, um, just in, it's interesting to me. I mean, generations of people have been hooked on this due to peer pressure and now hopefully we were asserting peer pressure to get people off of it. So that, that's a good thing. Really? Yeah. I mean, when I think back on it, yeah, I, I tried cigarettes when I was probably a teenager in the backyard at, you know, at Joey's house never thinking 20 years later it would basically be the hardest thing i've ever really tried to do and i'm kind of holding it together here on you know on video and on radio but it's been, i mean it is an emotional roller coaster so much of it is psychological and just trying to find those things to replace it and and you know not to get into all of that stuff and ultimately we know all these things in our gut we know they're terrible 
we know the right things that we need to do to to be healthy and to be one with the earth. One thing I've kind of focused on, James, is I learned this years ago, probably at some, you know, old kind of stinkier apartment back in the college days, you know, put a cigarette out in like a house plant. It'll totally kill it. The fact that if you kind of focus on nicotine kills plants, like it kills life. Just to even think about that, it's like, wow, you know, the other vices I I enjoy, sure, don't do that. You know, coffee or beer or marijuana. And and if it was just uh, nicotine, that would be one thing. But, of course, it's all all the ammonias and tracers and uh, radioactive uh, substances they have in there. I mean, it's just Uh a toxic brew. So I thought about doing the e-cigarette just to kind of help me maybe kind of wean off of it. The e-cigarette is basically, it's it's just vapor. It's nicotine vapor, so you don't exhale smoke. So I've seen people in airports using them. And you're getting the thing you're addicted to, but you're not getting the, the tar and the smoke and the carcinogens and all that stuff. But I ultimately just kind of thought, yeah, but I'm still on the nicotine. I'm still on the thing that I'm addicted to. So let's just end it. Let's just go cold turkey. And I'm doing it. And I've, I've been reaching out to, you know, a lot of family and friends. Probably a lot of people are like, yeah, man, I got kind of this, you know, it's kind of strange call from James. I, I guess he's doing all right. <laughs> Good luck, man. Well, um, I'll listen to some John Lennon in your, in your honor today. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Cold turkey got me on the run. Hi. So, James, we were away for a week and there are so many things that are on foodworldorder.com. And again, we'll note, I think with both of us, our, our Twitter feeds are the most kind of real-time action. Using hashtag foodworldorder, you guys out there, if you have stories you want to share, that's that's what's so fun about Twitter is that you can kind of create these names and hashtags and things, and, and you can share them with, with like-minded folks. So... James, we'll begin with the opposite, you know, in a way of kind of what we're talking about to sort of, you know, all the things, you know, let, let your food be your medicine. That, that's, you know, of course, it could be our, our motto here. So the opposite of that are all the fake things made in labs by multinational corporations who maybe at best don't maybe have our best interests at heart. And at worst, we know is, is probably far, far worse. Merck accused of lying about vaccine efficacy. And there has been a slew of, of kind of big, seemingly big pharmaceutical decisions that, you know, when you add up the dollars, it maybe doesn't really hurt their bottom line. But hopefully in the court of public opinion, everybody knows that generally all the pharmaceuticals have some limited lifespan before three years later. Oh, I guess we should probably pull that off the shelf. Things aren't going so well lately in the litigation department for Merck, which stands accused of lying according to not just one but two class action lawsuits. There's one that concerns the MMR shot, the measles, mumps, rubella, the effectiveness of the mumps vaccine. And the other case, you know, gets into efficacy findings, and we have a bunch of other related notes. You know, the, the controversial Andrew Wakefield, actually, our, our man, Jan Irvin of Gnostic Media, he has a podcast episode, interviews with Andrew Wakefield, getting into vaccines and even, of course, News Corps and Rupert Murdoch's callous disregard. There's other connections about vaccines and the shots. And actually, James, even a flashback to a recent episode of yours, How to Become a Billionaire and What to Do With It. When I was talking about the e-cigarette with a friend of mine, a good friend of mine back east who, again, I was trying to, you know, I'm trying to reach out to those that, you know, that I love, that I know love me and, and we can help each other. 
and they can help me. And hopefully, if I want to be as helpful, I guess it's you know you you find you find yourself suddenly going, oh God, I'm someone who typically doesn't need a bunch of support and help, but now I do, and now I'm kind of asking everybody, oh, to drop everything you're doing because James needs something. But so again, it's this is all a, a process, James. Yeah, absolutely. Well, once again, everyone's in your corner. So, um, uh, Merck accused of lying about vaccine efficacy. Ugh, I don't believe it. That's a load of rich creamery butter. No way. Um, of course, of course, this, uh, this is not exactly a news story, but it's obviously, um, uh, something that we should all be attempting to bring to people's attention at every opportunity. And, uh, and that's interesting. I want to listen to that, uh, Andrew Wakefield interview you got posted there. I haven't listened to it yet, but, uh, I know there's much more to the Wakefield story than what got reported in the press. And, uh, it's been portrayed as if he was just a hoaxer, but I think there's a lot more to it actually. And so I, uh, I will hopefully I'll listen to that and maybe uh, even do a report on it myself in the future. I think going right along with that, James, uh, a different story from the Chicago Tribune EU agency lifts lid on drug data secrets. Europe's medicines regulator criticized in the past for excessive secrecy is opening its data vaults to systematic scrutiny in a move that will let independent researchers trawl through millions of pages of clinical trial information. The change is a landmark in transparency that puts Europe ahead of the United States, according to critics of the one trillion dollar a year global drugs industry who have long argued for full access to trial data. James, could we in some way kind of connect this to, you know, making all of the the medical journals open source? I think we could. And on that note, I know I just recently read a story about that, and I don't exactly remember the details off the top of my head, but it was something about the UK government is going to start making all UK government-funded research available. And I think they're going to do that by actually using taxpayers' money to to pay these uh, journals or whatever, 50 million pounds or something over the course of the next few years to basically buy them out so that they'll make them open access. So not exactly an ideal solution, but at least a step in the right direction in terms of making this uh, more available because information is power and and keeping information away from people is, uh, is the power that they often wield over us. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I, I guess I found myself even thinking about, you know, it's it's always been about occulted knowledge and thinking of you know the, the the mystics and those who had the knowledge would threaten the people that I won't let that sun co- you know I won't let the sun come back. I to won't me. get it out of the snake god's mouth. Yeah, better worship me. Yeah. James, I I think on uh, and I'm going to get into a lot of this on my live show tomorrow. Just some of my experiences and the, and the smoking and and being in Idaho and all that kind of stuff. But the the album art that i think i've pretty much put together will kind of tell the tale of of the heat that is going on all around but here in the states drought hits 56 percent of continental u.s significant toll on crops this by way of cryptagon.com the prolonged heat across the midwest has not only set temperature records it's also expanding and intensifying drought conditions and relief isn't on the horizon for most areas there's a whole slew of other related updates on the utah fires and the colorado fires and and all of those things are actually we had hoped to maybe do a little shooting while we were in idaho but the the weather conditions are, are poor so even actually going out and just practice shooting was kind of bad 
It doesn't sound good, and no one's uh, no one's rejoicing over this. So I certainly hope that things can 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 improve soon. But uh, but yeah, of course, what does this bring out? But the uh, blameologists, and uh, yeah, this is obviously. I mean, weather is not climate unless it's hot outside. Ah, that's a that's a good point. <laughs> James, we're just, I guess, uh, what, a week and a day away from what on all levels has become quite the hype surrounding the upcoming 2012 London Olympics. I mean, if you look at alternative media, you pretty much think, like, oh, oh, we're pretty much doomed next week. There's going to be some uh, unbelievable false flag event, which very well could be because you look at the signs and go – gosh, it sure looks like they're prepping for something. And then when you see high-ranking people at the last minute go, oh, I, I can't go, I'm not going to be there, which I think is, uh, is it Shimon Perez? I, I hadn't heard. I don't know. I think some you know high-ranking Israeli official suddenly was like, oh, I'm, uh, I can't go to the opening ceremony. And and again, you know, it just if, makes. If I had plans to go there, I think I'd be canceling them about now. But yeah, <laughs> but again, we don't know, right? I mean, it always it always looks like it could be a setup, but mm-hmm. you never know until it happens. And anyone who's telling you otherwise uh, is a charlatan. You know, and yeah, oh, there's the Illuminati cards, and yeah, all all of those things, all the synchro mystic notes. But James, on a little more. A little more graspable note here. McDonald's forces Olympics to serve, to only serve chips with fish. And this this memo has leaked. You can see the photo, but I'll read for you right here what it says. Quote, due to sponsorship obligations with McDonald's, LOCOG, L-O-C-O-G, that's getting into, you know, who runs the food and all of those things. LOCOG have instructed the catering team they are no longer allowed to serve chips, that would be french fries, to serve chips on their own anywhere within the Olympic Park. The only loophole to this if is if it's served with fish. Please understand this is not the decision of the staff serving up your meals, who, given the choice, would gladly give it to you, however they are not allowed to. This is <laughs> through to the directors of L2012C and LOCOG and the IOC. Please do not give the staff grief. This will only lead to us removing fish and chips. <laughs> Everyone has a right to work in a non-abusive environment. Actually, that's poor typing. It's non-abusive, yes. Directly in the actual memo. So James McDonald's has basically dictated that... This is how you're going to get your food, and the people putting out the message have to preemptively say, oh, please, God, don't take this out on us. It's coming down from from the corporate guys. Right. I, what a bizarre story and what a sad, you know, indicator of just how just how everyone is just cogs in a big corporate machine. And uh, the, the, the corporate machine always functions and the cogs can be replaced and uh, everyone's just told what to do. It's just such a sad indictment of the society that it comes down to this. And it's such a ridiculous little example, but it's a perfect example to illustrate how we are turned into just these mindless automatons that must do whatever these corporations want. Well, and it's funny you said cog. That's we, we'd have to look and see what low cog is. But yeah, that's what brought that's, it to mind. But because as we know, you know, we learned from you know just studying our our words and our Jordan Maxwell and and such that yeah, it's like oh, that's right. Most of the things are actually hidden in the language we use, which makes the spell, if you will. James, returning to the atmosphere quickly, U.S. geoengineers to spray sun reflecting chemicals from balloon. 
This is from The Guardian, but two Harvard engineers are to spray sun-reflecting chemical particles into the atmosphere to artificially cool the planet using a balloon flying 80,000 feet over Fort Sumner, New Mexico. The field experiment in solar geoengineering aims to ultimately create a technology to replicate the observed effects of volcanoes that spew sulfates into the stratosphere using sulfate aerosols to bounce sunlight back to space and decrease the temperature of the Earth. They're worried that doing this will actually take attention away and kind of make it all a plan B for climate change, undermining efforts to reduce those carbon emissions. So David Keith, one of the investigators who have argued that solar engineering could be an inexpensive method to slow down global warming, he manages a multi-million dollar geoengineering research fund provided by Microsoft founder Bill Gates. That's it, James. I'm censoring you. We're stopping talking about this subject. It doesn't exist. It's a figment of your imagination. It doesn't matter what documents you have or what source links that you can provide to people. It's all in your imagination, so we're not going to talk about it anymore. But uh, if people do want to take a look at David Keith, he's a particularly interesting example of these geoengineers who are uh, already doing this, so, uh, so I, it behooves people to take a look into it. Anyways, we're coming up against the break, so let's take a short breather, and we'll be back with a engine purge right after these messages welcome back to the broadcast friends welcome back here we are in the final minutes of tonight's edition of corbett report radio i'm your host james corbett of corbettreport.com and as always on thursday night we're joined by james evan Pilato, foodworldorder.com from the usually rainy climbs of portland oregon but i understand it might have cleared in the last couple of days is that right it has. I think we may have we we got into the eighties just a little bit ago, which you know for everybody else out there may not sound like much, but for the place that isn't really used to it, getting into the eighties can can be a little much. Well, for Canadians, getting into the eighties means almost boiling, so uh, temperature <laughs> of water. So uh, <laughs> anyway, all right. So let, we've got a binge and purge to get to. Let's get into it. I call it soft kill, kept secret, and more. And James, again, you know, when in in kind of going through my my non-smoking purge, which you know I'm here now at about you know four or so days, which I think they say is when a lot of the nicotine junk is kind of coming out. So I have been trying, you know, drinking drinking tons of water and doing all those things. But you see, then those stories that kind of help. Put it back into your mind of exactly why you're doing what you're doing. An amazing piece from ActivistPost.com. 19 ways cancer becomes the ultimate soft kill weapon. Getting into just all our food, all our drink, all our water, all the things that we do that have been forced on us by multinational eugenics-obsessed corporations and, and banksters, but that are are forced on us, you know, nonetheless. And, and it's, you know... As I kind of kept scrolling through the story, you know, your head kind of drops as you realize all, all those ways. But ultimately, knowing knowing the information is is empowering. And James, that's why that's why we do all this. A couple of other notes on the binge and purge. Getting into Obama's plans for the war on drugs in his hopeful second term, and a positive drug story: Special K. That's ketamine. For depression, renews hope in hallucinogens. We've seen a lot of stories about hallucinogens being a, a positive mental and kind of spiritual uplift. A lot of the other bits on this Binge and Purge, James, are a bunch of great videos from BrassJackTV.com and the Real Food Channel and, and some more. 
what actually I want to close out in one, say thanks to all the folks who helped me in the media monarchy kingdom posting stories to all of the sites and specifically here, my man Adam in Nova Scotia helping on foodworldorder.com. To bring us all the way back full circle, you were talking about the protests and, and the TSA and all of those things. And even especially you're talking about the TSA in Portland, the, the naked protests that happened here. On our trip from PDX, which is the name of the airport, and it's also our kind of our city nickname, from PDX to Spokane, Washington, and back, both ways, each time the body scanners either were broken, were being recalibrated, or they just didn't even mention. And you just did the regular thing where you walk through the metal detector like we've always done pre-9-11 and put your things through, you know, in the basket, which I think we did pre-9-11, but no word about it and and nothing. And a, a couple people were getting pulled aside for, you know, the invasive pat-down. And it basically shows that this is a bunch of garbage. And even when it, like you say, when the rubber meets the road, they don't have the money to fund this crap and keep it. What? All right. Sorry, your, uh, your audio is cut out there. We can't hear you. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, James, we're going to have to leave it there. We are, unfortunately, fresh out of time. But I do I truly appreciate all your updates, and I certainly hope that uh, you'll be able to tell us a little bit more about that on the Media Monarchy broadcast tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Okay, excellent. Well, I hope people check that out. Of course, MediaMonarchy.com is the home base for all things James Evan Pilato, and you can get all of the Food World Order and, and all of the other updates from all the other websites there. And, of course, follow them on Twitter as well. All right, James and Pilato, thank you for your time. Thanks so much, man. And thank you all out there for listening and or watching tonight's broadcast. I'm looking forward to doing it again with you tomorrow night, so 23 hours from now, same time, same channel. See you then.